Oh, hello, Merlin, man. How's everything? Uh, good morning, Dan. How are you? I'm doing good. How's everything, you know, up in the yes. great, wherever you do? Yes, I'm adjusting my mix. I like your mix. Speaking like George Decay. <laughs> oh, my. <laughs> you sound good to me. Ah, thank you, Dad. You sound good to me, too. So I have a, I wanted to start out with a, with a question. It's about my yes. neighbors. I know that you've had you know, different issues with your, with your neighbors in... Me? Mm-hmm. Hmm. Tell is me, that accurate know, or is that... I feel so much more comfortable talking about other people's neighbors. I would love to help any way I can. Yeah, because uh, I have... Let me just go ahead and answer, Dan. It's not your fault. Oh, wait. No, no, no. Yeah. No, I'm not worried about that. <laughs> Let me be the judge of that. Okay. No, tell me about it. Neighbor problems are difficult. You, you, you got to live somewhere. Well, this doesn't quite borderline on what I would call a problem as much as it's simply curiosity. And I think part of it comes from the fact that I'm not really immersed in the drug subculture here in, in the U.S. the way that... So I wanted to ask you about it oh, and um, and see if you could shed any light on this because I think it's a drug thing. I'm just... I'm not sure. Mm-hmm. But we live in a very nice, very nice uh, area of Austin and it's mostly just families and uh, a very, you know, almost everyone I would think has kids and a dog, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And so the house across the street from us, uh, it, you know, when we moved in three or four years ago, it was they sold about a year after or so. So it's it's not the original neighbors that I met the one time. I haven't actually never met them, but they now have a red light on. It seems like twenty four seven. They've got a red light. The blinds are mostly shut. But it's on the front of their house that faces our house. So at nighttime, when we all look out to see the sun setting, um, we'll also notice that there's a, a red, strong red light on in just Is the one the ins- upstairs Inside room. the home. Inside okay, the okay. home, the, the across the way. That's it. That's Yeah, that's the whole story. That's, oh, oh. So I don't know what that is. We I think it's a drug thing. I don't think they're developing what, pictures. What, what makes you? What, I was going to say they could be developing pictures. They might be. It might be an on the air light. They might be doing uh, podcasting, or they might be doing a radio show about UFOs. Yeah, UFO. What? What? Um. <laughs> what? What makes you think that? What makes you think it's a drug drug thing? I don't know why. Why else would they have a red light on? What do you? I mean? maybe, they, maybe they like red lights. Maybe maybe it's a, a Philips. Uh, what's it called? Light hub. Maybe, maybe oh, that's. Uh, mm. But nobody yeah. just the intensity of the light, the brightness of the light, the particular color. There's no way that a human could endure that kind of light, and it's on most of the night like that. Do you think they're sending a message? Like, remember when Mulder used to have to like put a little. He'd put a little X on the the window or something so the smoking uh, man would like see it. Robert Robert Redford putting the uh, flag in the flower pot. Yep, it's a signal to deep throat. Something. It could be. That's interesting, Dan. A red light inside the home. Is it? Is it like a an unshuttered, unblinded, uncurtained window? It has, um, you know, the horizontal blinds that are mostly closed but not quite and what was weird is not long ago my son noticed that they had uh the the light was off and the blinds had been turned so that they were open and you could see the the door going in the back there so we all gathered around to look and we couldn't see anything in the room you can just see there's a closet door that was closed and that's all we could get out of it so far i mean is Mm. this something i need to should i go over there or is this i should just keep out of it because that's what i've been doing is keeping out of it 
Uh, as you know, Dan, I'm not a jurist, but I don't think that it's an actionable cause to call the police because someone has a light. No, I'm not saying and, uh, call anyone. I just no, like, of course not. That would be weird. Yeah, um, no, I just want to go over there. Yeah, and say what's up with with the light. Say you know we notice you have a red light on, just letting you know that we know. Yeah, and that could I put a should, stop to it. I don't know. Okay, first of all, let's get this out of the way. I'm not sure I understand how that would be a drug thing. I think they could be uh, punishing a recalcitrant child who probably has it coming. Let's be honest. <laughs> yeah, seriously. It could be uh, a young wizard that they've adopted, and they're putting him in uh, in tough conditions uh, before he goes back to Hogwarts. Right. It could it could happen. There could be an owl in there. You don't know. And, and maybe maybe it helps someone sleep. Maybe they have PTSD. I had a theory because my understanding is that dogs can't see red light, so they could have a dog in there that they want you know to be in the dark. Oh, okay. Maybe they're trying to train it. Maybe they're trying to teach it to see colors. One or, at a time. Or just they want to be in there with the dog when and make the dog sleep. I don't know. I don't have a dog. I don't I'll know be able to like, watch something on TV that the dog can't see. Something. Because it would be sensitive. Yeah. Could be. I would suggest, this is going to be hard for you, but I would suggest a very passive-aggressive approach, which is to go over and <laughs> knock, knock very gently. <laughs> right. And just say, hi, we're your neighbors. Um, we have this red light on in our house a lot. Is it bothering you? And then they're oh, going to be like, what? Yeah. Or you know what? Yes. You know what I think? I just, you yeah. actually, this triggered a whole new line of thinking for me. I actually have one of those light changing bulbs and the window that I have that faces their red window is in my closet in like the master closet. I'm going to put mine in there, but I'm going to put it either green or blue, whatever is the opposite end of the spectrum of red. I'm going to put that thing on as bright as it can be all night long and see if that triggers something. See if that spooks them. Maybe this is what they're waiting for. Maybe they're they're reaching out to you. That's what I'm saying. I think there's a razor about this. I I can't remember. It's Occam or Hanlon or (laughs) maybe Beck's razor. I don't don't remember which bronze bronze razor uh, is that if you find somebody who has a light near you, and it makes you suspicious and you don't know why, turn on a light. Yeah, turn on a, just, a just light. Just assume, assume it's uh, just there because you're curious. Do I match their color or do I do the opposite color? Ah, oh, geez, I don't know. This is complicated. I don't know. what In Texas, I think everything's different. Everything's bigger. You should get a bigger light mm-hmm. and barbecue. I don't know. It's a, <laughs> it's a really interesting question. I would have to say, though, of, of all of the neighbor... Uh, things I've noticed over the years, I would consider that a pretty benign one. No, it's super benign. It's way, way less benign than most of the other issues that I've had over the years. It's not but, a problem. It's not bothering us. I just, I'm, I want to get to understand it. Sure. I mean, that's the first step in being annoyed is understanding. Curiosity. Curiosity is so important today. Uh, I, my, see, the reason I'm sympathetic, the only way I'm sympathetic to this, this very, very strange uh, anecdote is that uh, it's hard for me to unnotice things. I'm, an, I'm a noticer of things. And I'm not, you know, I'm not particularly sensitive to things that uh, most other people care about. I notice stuff that nobody else cares about. And then I mention it and, and I sound like a whack job. You know? Yeah. So, so, you know, and the thing is that the, the thing is like my wife notices amazing things. Like she'll notice like if something was moved in the house, she can see things like that. I don't notice things like that. I just go like, oh, in my head, I do it in this voice. I go, oh, the, the guy at the desk at the hotel, he seems to be going into the back a lot. Seems like kind of a strange thing to do at two in the morning. Mm-hmm. You start noticing things and you come up with stories. And so that's, that, that might be part of it. Part of it is that your brain is trying to settle on, you know, uh, like what the scenario is here. 
And it's, it's not a cause for concern though, right? No, not at all. I think everyone's, you know, everyone's doing fine over there. I have, I've had way, way, way intrusive, you know, you've talked about it on, on this show, how you had neighbors that would play the music and other, you know, with the things with the trash. The trash. Yeah. No, that's gotten better. You know what? I do notice things with lights. There's a, there's a couple of streets away from here. I noticed that there's a house, you know, it's funny because like in any neighborhood, you'll see the house where it kind of sticks out for one reason mm-hmm. or another. Yep. You know, like you say, in a certain neighborhood, like there is for everybody else living in the neighborhood, there's kind of a certain way the neighborhood works and looks. And this is not a value thing. It's just an observation. Having been a college student and being the one in the house that was a mess, like I, you know, I get this, but you know, there's a place down the street where these people have, this just seems like an FU. They've got this incredibly bright beer light, like a neon beer light. A big oh, blue. I think you've mentioned this once before. Yeah. yeah. And it's, it's, it's right Still in their there? window. Well, I think they moved away. Oh. I think that's, that's the nature of, uh, you know, they walk in single file. To uh, no, but it was right outside another person's window. Is the thing, and so that would be big blue light coming in, and that's you know that seems aggressive. Also, you know, like the security lights that turn on automatically when anything happens. Yeah, you know, I think that can be very aggressive. Yeah, it's difficult. It's um, I used to have one a neighbor behind us. Not only did they have what I call a nuisance animal, which is uh, the kind of dog that's just always barking. Yeah, yeah. And it's a super anxious bark, you know. I've had that so many times. Well, in this one, they would let the the dog's name was, I think it was Honey. Honey, Honey. This is in Florida. Florida, yeah. And uh, yeah, (laughs) did did I need to mention that? (laughs) And the dog would, they had a security light like you're talking about for the dog. So that when they would let the dog out at, you know, one in the morning to go out and bark, that the security lights would be on for it. So, of course, it could see. It needed to see when it was out at 1 a.m. and that kind of thing. So, Honey doesn't have night vision. She can't even see red. No. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's 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 just back to the basic basic problem. It's so hard to understand why other people do anything that they do. And and actually, back to something we've talked about numerous times in the last few months is it's interesting to me how often I'm doing something that's noisome to other people and I don't realize it. Or it's just, or it, or it, or it could just be ponderous, as you say. It could be something where you just don't understand why somebody does this like slightly unconventional thing. Well, I think a lot of it is that people, and this is where I'm gonna, you know, I think we're all. I know I'm guilty of this. We're all guilty of this. And I try really, really, really hard to be con- a conscientious neighbor or a conscientious person in general to think about is is the thing that I'm doing affecting other people at all. And it's very, I mean, it's so hard because a lot of the time you just don't realize that. And I'll give you a perfect example of this. We had, speaking of barking dogs, we had a neighbor a couple houses down and where our our sort of backyards all kind of face toward one another, if that makes sense, because it's on a curve. Mm -hmm. And um, and they the beautiful, probably one of the nicest, most well manicured, taken care of houses on the block. And the, the woman who who I'd met, very nice woman. Uh, and it would happen that when the weather kind of was in that stage of it's not too hot and it's not too cold, they would put their dog out on the back patio and they would go out and they would go out, you know, be, be gone for the evening. And you could tell exactly when they left. And exactly when they got back, two different ways. One is the dog would start barking 
And, uh, and then when the dog would stop barking and the lights in their house would go on, you would know that they were home. And I knew this because it would be keeping my kids awake and it would be going on until, you know, 930 at night, which is not late, but it's, you know, you have a dog barking and everyone hears it. But what I realized was they didn't know the dog was barking. They weren't, you know, they, how could they know? Because they weren't there. They were not there. They were gone when the dog was barking. And I remembered back. It's like a Heisenberg uncertainty dog. <laughs> that's exact. That's right. Or Schrodinger's, Schrodinger's dog. dog. And they, uh, so they would go uh, out and the dog would start barking because it was in anxiety mode. And they would come back. I mean, we should get Terpster to talk about that. But uh, so I remembered that some of my friends used to have a dog that they would crate up in their house. And one of their neighbors told them, your dog is howling all day long. And they're like, no, it's not. And they're like, Yes, it is. And they videotaped it. They put a little video recorder on. And the minute they walked out of the house, the dog started howling. And it would howl on and off all day until the tape ran out. And they realized, oh, crap, I guess our dog is howling all day. So I took that approach with the neighbor and I said, um, you, you may not realize this, oh, but <laughs> the whole time you're gone, while you're gone, and I just, you know, I said, your, your, your dog on the back patio, when I described the dog, because we could see it, uh, just so they wouldn't think I was another neighbor. I said, your little corgi or whatever the hell the thing was, is barking the whole time that you're gone. And uh, it usually stops on this, at the, it starts at this time and stops at this time. And it did it on these days, which of course I'm sure would coincide with the times that they were out. And sure. I, I signed in, a, you know, your, your, your neighbor's at, and I put our address and I signed my name. I put our names on it. And I put it on the door. Guess what? The problem stopped. Yeah. How interesting. And and that's the thing is like there was – whereas I know that there are people who would take that aggressive – and you see where I'm going toward our topic. Oh, no, no. I I, I totally do. And I I think I told you this. I had the same situation with neighbors we had a few years ago who I loved. I loved our neighbors. And they had – I think I told you this story already. But they they lived upstairs from us and they had a really cute little dog that when you saw him, you go, Look how you're a cutie. Blah, blah. Who's the cutest boy in the jubba 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 jubba? And the thing was, when when they were, I mean, I'm just repeating your story, except I want to underscore how completely mentally insane it makes a person feel. Because that dog did not make, that dog might make a noise like if somebody came into the house, like right. a new person, which you'd expect. Dogs bark, right? That's their dogs. That's their, that's their job. That is what they do. Yep. But um, but what, what, what they didn't know and couldn't know is that they, they did put him in a crate. Uh, uh, his name was Linus. They they would put Linus. <laughs> they would put Linus in a crate, and Linus is and they say bye bye Linus, and and maybe I guess Linus would bark a little bit because you know the people were leaving for the day. <laughs> yeah. Now the thing to understand is that Linus and his crate was situated exactly over where I sat in my office. Oh. What they couldn't know, my wonderful neighbors whom I loved, what they could never realize is that the second they walked out the door, this is this is how my day went. Harf. Harf, 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 until they got home. And then Linus stopped barking. He barked a little bit because he was happy. And they go, oh, oh, oh Linus is barking because he's happy. <laughs> Nothing against Linus. I think he's probably deceased at this point. Right. But, Good but, riddance, but, I see. Uh, but, but, but that's exactly what you're describing is like, the thing is now, you look at it from that other person's point of view and you sound, you sound like a nut <laughs> on at least two levels. Yeah. On the one hand, you're, well, you know, the, the, your basic... The basic, the basic complaint you have is about this thing that they can't really do anything about. Mm-hmm. But maybe more importantly, it's about something they've never, they've never seen. 
they've never experienced. They don't, they don't know what that is. They, they can't be that sympathetic on the face of it. They can be sympathetic, you know, kind of by extension, by proxy, by going, oh gosh, that must be really annoying. And I didn't know that. I, I'm, I'll, we'll see what we can do about that. Which is actually the conversation we eventually had, which was that, you know, and you, no matter what you say, you feel like kind of a dick. It's like, you know, I'm really sorry to bring this up, but you know, did, did you, did you know that little line of sparks while you're gone? Yeah. Like, literally all day but you know there's okay so here's the basic thing in the middle of this and this goes straight back to the you know the basic human problem of being more aware of our own concerns and problems than others even when we're doing our best and and so like when you when you say uh i'm paraphrasing here but you said something along the lines of you know before you do anything you always try to consider whether it's going to have a negative impact whether what you're doing is going to hard as i can Right. Well, even if you try as hard as you can to not have that impact on other people, what you're kind of really saying, even in your best, Dan, is I'm going to try really hard to not cause harm in a way that I would consider harm. Like, I'm going to try really hard to do something that wouldn't bother me. And and I'm even going to go extend that further and try to guess what anybody else might find really annoying. And I think that's kind of the difficult part right. is that e- even if all of us do that, and I, we, this goes way back, one of our early, early, early conversations about, um, what was it? Something at your house and the way somebody did something in your neighborhood. We were, uh, but just talking about this basic problem of like, it's even when we're doing our very, very best, it's difficult to know where somebody else is coming from. Because even as much as we are virtually identical as, as carbon life forms, there are so many ways that we're, we're really different. And when we get jammed together in those spaces, like I'll tell you, the one for me, I'm probably not the quietest eater in the world. <laughs> Sometimes I shave on the radio. <laughs> yeah. But, but, uh, but, but man, once, especially back in the days when I had a jobby job in an office office, like as soon as I started noticing the sounds someone made when they were eating, uh-huh. it, it was all I could hear. And it got louder and louder and louder in my head. And within about three minutes, it actually felt like they were aggressively like trying to annoy me because I was so intensely aware of their chewing. And all they're doing is chewing. They're eating. Everybody does it. It's just like a natural thing people do. But because I'm a noticer, I notice that and it starts to drive me bananas. Now, if I say anything about that, that sounds, it's, it really feels aggressive. Like no matter how you say it, it feels aggressive. Hmm. Like if you've ever had friends or acquaintances who have legitimate, according to Hoyle, BO, and it's very a difficult topic to broach with people. There used to be a website where you could go and send anonymous emails to people. I remember that thing. Remember that? And yeah. like it was like, uh, oh, hello, we're very good friends and I love you, but mm, here's a thing called a toothbrush, <laughs> you know. But anyway, I don't, I don't, I don't know. I don't know the answer. I, you I, know, just, I, think I what, get, for me, it, it always seems to be neighbors with, with dogs. This is the thing that just, it, it's, it, it's amazing to me how, you know, like I can go to a restaurant now or be on a plane, but I'll use a restaurant. Cause I think it's something everyone will be able to relate to. You go to a restaurant and there's a child at the adjacent table. Or a, a little couple tables down, and the child, if they're very young, are they're banging their spoon on the table constantly. Or if they're a little bit older, they're up from the table and they're walking around, and now they're at your table and they're looking at you, and then they're running up and down the that kind of thing. Or having a child that's sort of whiny and crying, and the parents don't seem to care about the whining and crying that's happening at the next booth over. Those things used to drive me bananas to the point where I'd be like, 
Well, yeah, it would have been a nice anniversary dinner if it hadn't been for that kid next to us. The whole now, I don't notice the kid. I don't notice the kid screaming. Have I ever told you what our office here is adjacent to? I don't think so. We are next to a kid's dentist. Oh, God. And where we record, the the recording rooms are on the opposite end of it. But where my desk is on the other end of, of the office. You can hear kids being drilled. You hear kids screaming and being what you would think would be, you know, tortured. I think I think that Dennis is simply looking at their teeth, but the kids are absolutely insane with fearsome. You know, they're crying. They're screaming. There, it sounds like they're being murdered in there. And I've met the dentist. He's awesome. Uh, and and I, you know, I think it's just the way kids are when you take them to the dentist. But they're just. And this happens multiple times throughout the day. My. Uh, desk is up against that wall. It never bothers me. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, it doesn't distract me. It's not an interruption. I don't wear headphones because of it. Uh, but a couple of the other people who, you know, like interns or the uh, producers that we've had, they'll put on headphones. Like, I can't stand the noise. I'm like, it sounds like my house. Like it's not, it's not a thing to me. And the same thing at the restaurant or on a plane. I could be sitting next to a child who'd be screaming and crying for hours, would not phase me, would not distract me from reading or what I was doing. And yeah, then somebody takes off their shoes and starts picking their toes. Now that would be a completely different story. And it's so <laughs> funny because these things that you become like, I'm very used to the sound of kids making incredibly, incredibly obnoxious sounds. Mm-hmm. For hours at a time or years, really years. In, in a house that you paid for. You yeah, can't leave. Right. You know. So, but, you know, it's just, it's fascinating to me what the sound of a dog barking, especially at seven in the morning or 930 at night or whatever, seems incredibly intrusive to me because I don't have a dog. I don't want a dog and I don't support uh, people Letting their dog out in their backyard for, uh, you know, long periods of time where the dog is clearly in an, in an anxiety state of barking. I can't understand that. Right. No, it's it's not so different from what you're describing. And I, I, I before I say anything, I want to say that I am uh, uh, very sympathetic to people who don't like kids yeah. or, or don't like the kid thing. Like I get that. Yeah. I mean, oh, I was I've there. Never, I've ne- well, I've never been like strictly anti-kid, but I would definitely give people the stink eye on a plane. <laughs> um, big time, you know, like, mm, like, <laughs> can't you control that monster? Don't you understand that this is for, this is a plane for grown up white men. Like, how could you be doing that? And, uh, so, I mean, I'm sorry, I don't mean to make light of that. Cause I know how annoying that can be, but, but honestly, I, I, how can I, there's a lesson in here somewhere. Um, Yeah, now that I've had kids, I'm actually, now I'm really sympathetic of the person who's got the kid because I know it's it's no fun to fly when you're a little kid. And it's really no fun to fly when you've got to take care of a little kid. You're like, stop kicking the seat, stop kicking the seat, stop kicking the seat. You know, or like, can't you just sit here? I brought you an iPad and an iPhone and there's, and, and you know, it's very frustrating. And you know what? Here's the thing. If that, especially on a plane, like that person knows how annoying their kid is. They really, they probably really yeah, do. They do. They're really annoyed too. No, they know. They're not having fun. And like, not that that makes it any better <laughs> for everybody who has to listen to it. But, you know, just the other thing, kind of weird contextual thing. Um, we used to have uh, other neighbors above us who, who I thought were really 
really loud. I mean, you know, and you know how it is when you feel put upon or you feel stuck. You know, you, you really, I, I, I can't help but start to feel like somebody's trying to like screw with me. Like they're actually trying to be loud because they yeah. know it annoys me. Right. When of course it has, in the end, it has zero to do with me. Um, but I really, I, I kind of hated these people. I, I, I hated this family, and it was like the sole the sole uh, group of people in the world that I actually personally, personally disliked to the point of kind of hating them. And there wasn't anything to be done about it. But you know, there are a couple things about it. First of all, I hadn't had a kid yet and I hadn't known what it's like to have a kid who runs around. But you know what I also didn't realize is I didn't realize like how loud it is to, like when, when, uh, when we moved upstairs from, from that place, it was much quieter for us. And I discovered while we were moving that like just even the quietest walking that, that we were doing, like I could hear my wife upstairs walking around, it was deafening. And you know what I realized? Oh my gosh, turns out they were actually probably trying pretty hard to be quiet. Really? Like you Given noticed from doing normal walking that they were I, actually I, being a conscientious neighbor. I was neighbor. downstairs packing and my wife was upstairs and I was like, what is that? <laughs> <laughs> and it was like twice as loud right. as the average adult footfall. And I was like, oh my God. Like, I feel like a really bad human being. I still kind of hate them because I thought they were kind of jerks. But, you know, but the funny thing was, I felt so menaced by them. I, I disliked the entire family. And when I would go to my office where there were kids over me, that made me mad too. Oh, right, because, because it, con- started- it continues now. It was like a trigger. It was like, is there anywhere I can go where I don't have to hear people like literally hitting the floor with a stick? Yeah. Like that's, but of course that's what a kid does. And then the funny thing was when those folks moved and we didn't have loudness over our head, guess what? It no longer bothered me when I heard noise at work. It was a really weird thing. It's like that trigger went away. Yeah. That anxiety went away. And I, there's not any real lesson in that. But I don't know. I mean, I don't think it seems, feels like such an unsolved problem for most of us. Like some people have a personality uh, in, in a really good, like wholesome way. Some people have a personality where they can say almost anything and it, it comes across as the right combination of like positive and firm and kind, um, sympathetic even. Mm. But there are some kinds of people you meet like who who know how to say things to other people that they can even ask for something that anybody else would find really annoying. And they can do it in a way that makes them sound like a grown-up and not a nut. And I, I, don't, I feel like I absolutely don't have that, but I know it when I see it in others, and it's something I really aspire to. Because my version of that, it sounds like, to some extent, your version of that, is you go up and you begin by apologizing. Right. Like you, be, you go up and already you're like undercutting yourself by going, oh, I'm so sorry that I even have to say this because you probably... <laughs> and so, and which is already kind of probably putting them on the defensive a little bit. Yeah. But yeah, I don't know. I, I think it's an unsolved problem. And then, you know, the problem is then the ways that we try, there's kind of two general sorts of routes that people tend to take where, you know, on the one hand, you could try to be passive aggressive back at them and suddenly maniacally make unnecessary noise to like get them back. Mm-hmm. Well, that'll help. Well, I did that in college. Sure. Everybody's done that. I've done that. That banged on a ceiling with a broom. <laughs> I'm not above that. Um, but the, uh, we call it a brooming. But you, um, <laughs> or you could start being like leave a note guy, you know? There was um, there's a really good episode of This American Life in the last year or so. Did you hear that one about the woman who, like, for for no reason that she could discover her, the woman in the apartment, like next to her, across the hall from her, was like just after her for no reason that she could understand. Hmm. And she would just she was she would leave notes all over the hallway about how this woman was a was a drug dealer and a prostitute, and she would leave like ten notes a day 
on the hall and she could never understand why and she couldn't get the woman to like stop. She couldn't get her to talk about it. It just made her madder. I don't know. This is not very helpful. No, I, well, one, one of the things that you said a couple minutes ago about that feeling of being stuck, like that's the part of it that is at the crux of the issue when you're dealing with something. And we will, we will all have to deal with this repeatedly and over the courses of our lives is that you'd feel like, well, like this is my home and this is where I'm supposed to be able to go to have the sanctuary and have things the way that I want it to be. Well, it's kind of, it's kind of the dream of suburban life Yeah, is that for all that you give up, to go be in a, in a suburb, what you theoretically get back is some autonomy and some peace that you get a little space to yourself and that there are, there's a certain, I guess you wouldn't maybe state this, but there's a certain set of rules that everybody kind of gets and kind of follows because you all want the same thing, which is for it to be quiet and secure, mm-hmm. right? I mean, that's kind, of, that's kind of the promise of the suburbs in some ways, right? Yeah, that's the main promise of it, I think. And the frustrating part of it is, you know, it, it's, And Florida was so bad because everybody there, and I'm saying everybody, uh, yes, every single human, it was like transient. Like everybody, oh, I lived there for a year and I moved and lived over here. And then I moved out of Florida again. You know, and I moved back. I was here for a year, six months here. And I didn't (laughs) figure I needed to take care of my yard because, you know, I'm only going to be there for six months. I only used it to park. Yeah, I only put my cars on it and like change the oil there. Well, of course, I would put my broken car on the driveway, but that's where my broken boat is. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> but that's the thing, the transient and, and people didn't care about community. They didn't care about what they and, you know, you always you have this imagination or I did, of course, of, you know, places like Texas where, um, you know, people, it's my land. If you don't like it, you can get out. You know, th- that is not the attitude here. There is a much greater sense of community and community responsibility and what your actions do and how they affect other people. In Florida, nobody cared. Like you would have people burning their laundry on the front yard because it's my, <laughs> you know, like I saw that. I, that would happen. That happened. And like, I'm like, uh, you know, are you really burning stuff on your front? Yeah, my, it's my land. Like that was the attitude. Like I'll do what I want. Well, uh, this affects other people. And that's the part of it that I think it seems like people who who are doing this kind of thing. Like should people not be allowed to have dogs or for that matter kids? Well, no. Yeah, they should be allowed to have dogs and kids. And, you know, but at some point there has to be that sense of community that says I have a dog. It's 7 a.m. on Saturday Maybe don't just let it out because if I hear it barking as the owner of the dog, if I hear it barking nonstop, do I then also have a responsibility to bring it in or make it stop barking or do something because another human being besides me can probably hear it if I hear it. And it seems like that's the disconnect when it comes to this kind of thing. If I can hear my music really loud on the other part of the house that I'm in, so can somebody who's not in the house. And maybe I should take that into consideration. I saw a guy out in his uh, garage and he was sawing some wood. He was building something. I don't know what he was building. This was, you know, a few blocks away. He's probably not sawing wood every single day, all afternoon long. He was probably had a project. Is he not allowed to do the project? Noise didn't bother me. But maybe it was bothering his neighbor who was sick in bed. You know what I'm saying? Like, what's he supposed to do? Not do his project? So, like, we have to compromise with people. But it's when it becomes an ongoing kind of a thing, and then you're stuck in that 
I wanted my suburban dream of I could shut the door and not hear other people. That's why I bought a house here kind of situation. Yeah, but I mean. What do you do? Well, I I shouldn't say anything. But I mean, I I think you're still coming at it from a a very. um, I should mention I'm I'm very happy with my neighbors. They're great. I'm glad you said that. Uh, No, but I mean, I think as much as you're 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 trying hard not to bother other people, you're still ultimately saying I'm trying not to bother people with stuff that bothers me. And, you know, I couldn't, I don't, I don't live next to you. I don't know how you live. I, I would imagine that you're pretty easy to have as a neighbor. But I mean, there's, there's a couple things that are impossible about the situation. And one is you might be, do stuff that annoys people and maybe they don't. Do. I know we do. Well, okay. But I mean, like, yeah, there, that's the other part. But the other part is that like, you know, what, where's the line for, for what's considered noisome? Like, think about all the deed restricted communities. What about, what about laundry? Like, should somebody, is it okay for somebody to hang laundry in their backyard? Well, in a lot of deed-restricted communities and similar things, you're actually, you're not allowed to do that. You're not allowed to paint your house uh, a non-standard color. You're not allowed to have a sports ball-related uh, mailbox. Right. You're, you're not allowed <laughs> to paint your driveway. You're not allowed, all of these things are, I have to say, as I sit here, I'm not a homeowner, but I, I would look at all of that and go, uh, okay, that's not harming anybody. There's a house a few blocks from here where I, it's, it's, I think it is kind of an FU paint job where this guy painted, most of the houses in the sunset are very muted colors. Mm-hmm. And this guy painted his house like purple and orange. <laughs> oh, and I'm talking like, I'm talking like, when I say purple, I mean like a deep royal purple and like a, a San Francisco Giants orange. I mean, it's, it's, a, it's a freak show, the, the, this guy's house. But you know, the thing is, it's, it's paint on a house. Should that bother me? Well, it doesn't bother me, but I will bet you that really bothers somebody. Right. Now, what, what, you know, in that case, what is somebody allowed to say about that? It's to, you know, to, the, to the guy with the purple and orange house, who let's, let's agree is probably a little bit, you know, unconventional. That's like having a kid or a dog. Like, what do you want me to do about it? My house is already painted. Like, what do you, you want me to change my mailbox? Like, how is my mailbox affecting you? That's the kind of thing where like, I, you know, that all sounds crazy, yeah. I hope. Yeah. But think about where that line is, where that line of annoying is. There could very well be somebody who says, hey, listen, I did not move out to this neighborhood to live next to a, a teal painted driveway. Mm-hmm. I moved out here because of the expectation that we would all abide by these rules. So, I mean, that's, that's the thing to always think about in some ways. And, and I mean, maybe it's just because I like problems becoming more imp- impossible to solve. But, you know, it's uh, the, the, the other aspect then that, that's the awkward part is we talk about this being a community thing. But, I mean, you're, you're describing a kind of community where nobody really talks to each other. And the real community would be if if you talk to each other enough to understand why somebody painted their house purple, yeah. Or you talk to somebody enough to understand that, like, uh, you bought that uh, you bought that dog for your mom uh, who had cancer and she died, and you know you kind of hate the dog, but you also kind of love it and keep it around, and <laughs> right. you they hate it too. Yeah. Like who knows? I mean, I'm not trying to make excuses, except that like that's the thing that keeps me sitting there at two fifteen in the morning, going like, I don't want to, I don't want to complain about this because I I probably don't understand this, and maybe I'm being oversensitive. But but the, the being trapped part, I mean, that's how that phone guy started, was being stuck on a plane or being stuck in a waiting room. Mm-hmm. And somebody pulls out their phone and starts doing a public performance. Mm-hmm. It's not really a phone call. <laughs> if it was a phone call, they could go outside and talk on their phone like a gentleman. But they're not. It's a public performance. You know? And, and that, that's what drives me nuts. And that's why I feel like, you know, that, that should that bother me? Probably not. But now there's like 13 people in this room being very quiet and reading something and you putting on your own little one-man show about your job in front of everybody. And see, that's mine. That, yeah. That's my barking dog. That drives me bananas. 
<sighs> people, am I right? Yeah, I know. But is, there anything, uh, is there anything you want to tell me about that you like? Yes, there is something that's actually really cool. I know you know a little bit about, and that is the brand new version of Squarespace that just came out. Like we told people who listen to this show about Squarespace, so they, they know what it is. But they, the fact of the matter is they do not know about this new version yet, most likely. Why? Because it just now, like it came out, was it last week, not even a week mm-hmm. ago? It's Squarespace 7. Everything is just got like a ton simpler and easier. Uh, but it's so often the case when people, they come out with a new version, they say, it's simpler, it's easier. And we've taken away all of this great functionality and now it's just what we want you. No, that did not happen here. You keep. I, I gave them a freebie on Roderick. You did ready you? for this? Yeah, yeah. This is the all-in-one uh, website has just become even all-in-one-er. <laughs> there, yeah, I like that. to run with that. I'm an yeah, idea I mean, guy. Yeah, you're an idea guy, so... But it's fact, hard to it's hard to keep this to like ten minutes. It is because the amount so of stuff. Much, so much. I mean, the, the 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 on the face of it, the things that they have done are just amazing and beautiful, and do have to be seen to be believed. But also, just the the raw number of new features that they've added is kind of mind boggling. Well, the the I say we hit the first four because I've got a list of about eighty or ninety amazing things. The the first is you know Squarespace six. They made it like easy to make a website. Squarespace seven refining of all of these features they make it into a seamless experience the entire workspace has been uncluttered they stay out of your way while you while you work the whole interface is now you can just it's it's live editing you can add and customize the content it's all now in just one window you don't have to flip back and forth your website will look exactly the way that you arrange it and what what happens as a result of this you're going to spend less time building and more time doing the stuff that you love they have uh, this thing called cover pages, right? Sometimes you mm-hmm. just like want a simple page. You just want to communicate about your, you, I've got a new product. I'm Here's a new album that's come out. Cover pages are a starting point for new customers and a powerful addition for existing customers. It's basically like, this is this is my place. Boom, cover page done. This is what so many people have been wanting. And it's not a, it's not a, it's it. not a splash page. No, it's not a skip intro page. It's one of those sexy pages where you can get a whole bunch of beautifully designed stuff all on one page. If you don't need to send people to other pages for an about section or a product section, it's all there on one page, and it's super easy to make. It's super easy. They integrated Getty Images, which is really cool. Uh, they have ta- tastemaker templates. Did you see this? Tastemaker templates. Do you know about tastemaker this? templates? Tastemaker templates. Like a rock climber. Like a rock climber. They've been working with musicians and artists and architects and chefs to come up with new templates that cater to each of those professions. So you're going to be able to use the same designs as like these really influential people and then customize it to make your own. So this is what you're talking about with the, with the rock climber. Uh, he, he climbs up uh, Yosemite, the, the operating system, all by himself. Mm-hmm. There's uh, the indie pop band St. Lucia who I understand you sat in on some of their sessions. You can see their whole story. All of this stuff, they integrate with Google Apps. I mean, we could just keep going on and on, but the the best way for people to find out about uh, this is to just go to squarespace.com. And uh, in fact, to go to squarespace.com slash back to work. And the code that you're going to want to use is it's your show. This will give you 10% off your first purchase. It will also support our show here. And uh, we really do appreciate Everybody who has been going to that link, squarespace.com slash back to work and go, go there, sign up and you can, you can, if you, if you're a current customer upgrade to Squarespace seven, it's like a one click deal. But if you're new to it, just go there, squarespace.com and uh, it's your show. 10% off. Go check them out. 
Our thanks to, um, and congratulations to our friends at Squarespace. Yeah, really. And uh, thank you for supporting 5x5 uh, five five and Back to Work. Back to Work. Run man. Dan Benjamin. Um, I am super scared of Squarespace 7. Like, I went in, I opened it up, I clicked the button, I flipped it over, <laughs> and I went, I'm going to close this window now. Because I spent about three minutes, and I went, you know, this could be five days for me. Because yeah. I, I want to go look at every single little bit of this. The device preview, come on, give me a break. It's even more all in one I mean, they're going to have to run with it. Yeah, I'm just an idea guy. <sighs> so we get the light. We get, get neighbors. I want to do the other topic idea that I had, which we can, you know. I want to talk to, can I do one like small piece of FU? Is that, will oh, that go, be disruptive? Go no, go ahead. Go. You know what? It's not even, I don't really have anything to say about it. Uh, I just would like to say, um, I mean, nobody can actually see the email we got so so they can <laughs> they're gonna have to just assume that this is true but we got several a handful of, of nice uh insane bits of email from people about our discussion of apple stuff last week which ah, made yeah. me feel a little bit less like a total crank um just people saying um i mean my my, my the, the one that i was most simpatico with on twitter and in the emails that we got was people saying, not just, uh, oh, you know, this is why I quit Apple or blah, 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 which I, I, you know, I'm sympathetic to that. Like, I get that. But the ones that I really uh, appreciate were the people saying, I'm so glad that I am not the only person who has what seems like completely unique bugs yeah. with Apple products. Yeah. I, I'm glad I'm not the only person who sits there looking at the Apple TV wondering why it can't connect. Wondering why it won't authorize. I'm, I thought I was the only person who had this scrolling problem in Safari. I thought I was the only person whose typing was really, really slow. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, not, not to say like, uh, aha, see, I told you Apple's bad. I, that's not what I'm trying to say. But like, it is gratifying. I mean, it's gratifying in a couple ways. It's gratifying because first I feel less monkey balls, like, like brain wise. But like, it's also gratifying because it shows that like, we, like I said, we're in. Like, we believe in, in what these folks are doing because we have to believe in it. And so, I mean, I think there's still, there's still like, we're probably going to be using this stuff one way or another. But, you know, I think in some ways it's, it is also, um, I hope this doesn't seem disingenuous, but I think it's also kind of a tribute to Apple that like when things aren't perfect, we do stick with it. Like I'm not going to go buy an Ubuntu phone today. Yeah, right. Ubuntu. I'm not going to roll my own. Well, we, I don't, I don't know. When was your first experience with Apple? I meant to ask you this last week. Like what was your first Mac or Apple computer for that matter? The first one I ever used was in college, and uh, I think just somebody took me to the Mac Lab, which was, gosh, it was so cool. They had two, I don't know if they were original Macs, but I know, um, see, I'm, I'm, I'll, I'll get this messed up, but like basically there were two Macs that any normal person could use, <laughs> and then there was a third Mac that anybody could use as long as a thesis student wasn't using it which there was almost always a thesis student using it. But there was a PC lab that I'd walked by and been very confused by because it was all just, you know, command line. But then over in uh, one of the science buildings, there were three Macs. And, uh, and that was it, was, was typing. So it was probably, I mean, what, MacWrite? Yeah. And eventually MacPaint, Talking Moose. So early, I, the early days of it, for sure. 80, well, 87, yeah. yeah. I mean, like, but, but like I said, and I've, I've told this story so many different ways so many times, and I'm sure I've mangled it. But, you know, I mean, it was it was the interface. It was the control panel. It was the fat bits. It was ResEdit. It was all of those things that were just so fun and made me think. I guess I could have fun with a computer. This seems really improbable. I had zero interest in computers at all. I mean, I, fam I somewhat famously dropped Basic 
in 12th grade <laughs> to be in stage band. Like, I was like, that's it. I'm, I, I want to go play nine chords, you know? Yeah. Uh, but, because uh, I, I hated it. I, I, I thought, this is, like, this is computers, the, you know, taking basic. I, I didn't have the zest for it. But for me, then that really, I, I can't put my finger on exactly when it happened, but it was stuff like being able to make flyers. I, I want to say Canvas, but I don't think it was Canvas. It was probably Mac Draw. Whichever the, what was the one? Canvas was so great a few years later because it had that modal thing where you could go between, you know, vector and pixel drawing. But like, you know, some of the early, you know, drawing programs. And then the one that was really, really a revelation for me was PageMaker. PageMaker changed I mean, everything. I remember when know, knowing how to like make a brochure. I'm not talking about what we think of as a brochure color and all that. No, I'm talking like it would be a single eight and a half by 11 sheet that would be folded in thirds, like you're folding an envelope, you know, a letter for an envelope, being able to make something like that, that showed something different on each one of the folds as if it was its own little page and doing that in mm-hmm. PageMaker. I did this in my junior and senior year of college. And I, I remember I was looking at the, um, the little brochures that they'd always hand out, you know, they'd be outside of the classroom, outside of the administration building or whatever it was. And they were so terrible. They were clearly like someone had typed them on a typewriter and, and glued them. Well, and like like somebody done a Chinese menu and not yeah. thought about how it would be folded. Right. So the covers on the back or yeah. something like that, like nobody, but PageMaker would take care of that for you. That when the first time you click on that little plus sign Ugh. in the window shade yeah. and then say, make the text go here. Oh my God. And then you drop in, you drop in an image and it flows around it, flows. it. And it was like, this is unbelievable. Yeah. And knowing and how to do that. And then you send it to the laser writer like, and it looks good. <laughs> That's right. I would make these. I would go to the, like, oh, this, this brochure sucks. I would go to the office and I would be like, here's, and I had a little portfolio of the printed brochures that I had done. And I'd say, I would like to do this for you. And I, I made hundreds of dollars in college doing that because this was like a hugely marketable skill knowing how to do that, you know, and Max made that possible, like in a way that. That's, that's what I did. That's, that's like how I made money after I graduated crazy. from college was my main gig, which I think was something like $200 a month was doing a <laughs> newsletter uh, for the Pines of Sarasota retirement home. So I would go and I would collect all of the like, you know, when are we going to have uh, aquabatics and when are we going to have uh, bingo and put that together and funny anecdotes. Uh, but yeah, no, that, that was, for me, that was it. And doing stuff like real estate publications, uh, laying out like a local throwaway uh, magazine, you know, like not a throwaway, that's, that's a derogatory term, yeah. you know, like a freebie. But, but like, see, that, but that's this, what people now who are in like web design and they're in their 20s now, mm-hmm don't understand that the web came from what you're talking about right now. Like th- that was the f- the first websites where we've got this brochure. We want people to see this on the internet. However that works, Merlin, make, make that for me. Right. Well, that was, uh, it's funny you should say that because that was the, 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 the real meat of the work that I did in the nineties doing web stuff was working with this one guy in Tallahassee who uh, his, this is kind of boring, but kind of interesting. Uh, first of all, I mean, it's funny that like almost everybody I, I was pals with in college, I mean, some of them went on to <clears throat> academia, some became lawyers, but like a surpassing number of my friends went into either, either like computer graphics, which became making websites or became, or computer graphics, which became CD-ROMs. Like CD-ROMs were like a big thing. And so the guy that I worked with, <clears throat> he made all of his money doing CD-ROMs for trade shows. So he would get hired 
by you know Blenheim or Miller or Freeman or whoever. They mm-hmm. would a big a big trade uh, publishing and trade show company would hire him primarily to have the CD-ROM that you give away right. at the event. So he would get all of these assets. It was like, we had a great workflow for this. I mean, it really, we got this down really good. He would get basically a bunch of pictures and some Quark, one big Quark Express file, sometimes some other files. And so it was our job to go into Quark Express. And believe me, people tried to automate this and it never went great. Eventually would almost always come down to copy and paste out of Quark Express because eventually Quark Express completely took over. Um, over PageMaker, but you would copy and paste everything. You'd clean up the text, look for you know, um, you know, errant line breaks and dingbats and stuff like that. Clean that up. He would make the CD-ROM. That's what we got the money for. And then the website that I did was kind of like a freebie. He would pay me n dollars to do the website right. every for each of these shows. But th- and that's that's what I did every day. Was I, I got up and made those trade show sites from basically Quark Express files, and then cutting those up. Sometimes doing things in a database. <laughs> sometimes doing things in FileMaker Pro. But that was that was that was it. It was really, really primitive. But it came on the heels of something that was not primitive, which was desktop publishing. I mean, think about how that changed so many things. They were talking about this on uh, Gruber show, Gruber and uh, Ben Thompson. Mm-hmm. Fantastic episode. Uh, but talking about how you know you never think of Apple as a as a printer company. Especially in the last, you know, later years, where you're like, oh, those those crappy little cheap eighty dollar printers that they would give you when you bought a an i um an iBook or whatever. But you know, you think about like they tried to get other people to make. I'm just quoting Ben Thompson poorly here, but think about like how Apple became Apple in some ways. In that those first few years had a huge amount to do with desktop publishing and the laser writer. And like nobody else wanted to make that. They just didn't like dot matrix printers are fine. Just tear the frilly underwear off the sides and you're good to go. Like why would you need a laser printer, but they made Apple made a laser printer that could be shared through Apple Talk. Huge new thing, so you can kind of amortize the cost over multiple people. But you know th- that's such an interesting point. What, what are we talking about? Like 1985, yeah. probably. Yeah, I don't know. I, I kind of cut you off there, but uh, that, that that was very sophisticated. I think that did sell a lot of Macs. It's probably what partly led to the reputation of Macs being the thing that you know squirrely design people use. Because at that time, I don't I don't know if there I don't even I couldn't even tell you what the programs were for the other platforms. This was back in a really weird time. This is going to seem so improbable to people, but there was a time when apps would be made for the Mac, and then they would have to make a version for Windows. Right, like the Adobe stuff. So much Adobe stuff. Yeah, it would eventually, and it, and it sucked. I mean, it really sucked. It was really like ported. Like it felt really, really crummy. But I mean, like, and then the irony is, of course, with Quark Express. My God, what a story there! You know, that was a Mac only product for a long time. Event, and that, the guy who runs Quark. I mean, you know, it was really interesting though, because then I think they did make the Windows product. It was pretty good. And then he just completely lost interest in the Mac community and said so. <laughs> but uh, that was, you know, like I say, that, that all had such primitive roots. I talked about some of this stuff a little bit in that talk I did in September about how weird it is to like be mostly reading books in college, then discover PageMaker. PageMaker leads me to Mac graphics. That that leads me to things like learning how to use a modem. I learn about the internet, and within five years, really within within t- two years, I went from not knowing what the internet was to making web pages for a living. Which is which seemed completely improbable to me, you know. Ninety three to ninety five, like everything changed for me. Everything was that was a really fun and interesting time. And the reason that I asked you, like, when did you start, was because yeah. you know 
there were, and we've talked about this I, I, on lots of shows, of the dark days of Apple, the dark times. You, nobody would believe how dark it was. <sighs> it was terrible. And people keep, who, people who say Apple is doomed. We were, like the Ebola, we were the Ebola character, carriers of the, oh of the computer world. Well, no, people were like, what do you, you can't even bring your Mac in here. Right. No, you can't print. You can't even bring it. You can't even put it on the network. You have to get your laptop vetted to even be allowed to plug it in to Ethernet. Like, you know, when you say something's not supported, I mean, they really meant not supported, as in not allowed. Right, not, not you could supported. not have a Mac at work. Right, not supported was a euphemism for you are not allowed to bring that physically into this office. Leave your toy back in your bedroom. Like, come here and do some work on this PC. And now, you know, it, Apple doing so well, it, it, we were there in the dark, and the times were dark, and the, and the computers that we had loved, uh, which had meant so much to us and done so much for uh, our ability to make money or our ability to just enjoy the f- creating process, were now these things that they didn't work they didn't work well. They crashed constantly at a time when all computers crashed all of the time. Max crashed even more. And, you know, <laughs> and, and more so frustrating, so in, inexplicably. Yeah. Like it's just there was so many there was so much like black magic that you just had to like orally communicate to other people. Like, listen. I'm going to let you use the FileMaker Pro database, but you need to know some things about it. you got to use it on this computer because it has the RAM that you need for this. Mm-hmm. And here's the thing. Always, I know you think you know this from the Mac, but I'm just here to tell you, make sure you close before you quit. Because there's a really good chance that you will totally corrupt the database if you quit while it's open. I don't know if anybody remembers that, but that was a thing. And then your database, your, your FileMaker Pro database was just, was just dead. Yep. All the things you had to like unmount and like shut down before you unplug them the, from the SCSI. It was, it was, it was completely, bu- and, but the crashing, just all the time. You would just, you would just get crashes. You get that funny little face, you know, come up and that's it. Oh, sorry. Here's, here's some letters that don't mean anything. And that was mostly RAM, right? Wasn't yeah. that usually? I, usually it, it was RAM. It was like two, two, um, two things were trying to use the same bit yeah. of RAM and there was a collision. <laughs> Yeah. Then you pull out the conflict catcher. It's such a, and you know, so now, especially for those of us who've been around that long, when, when we're in this situation now where things mostly just work, but there are these little things that just seem not to, we look back at that time. I do anyway. And I think, yeah, there, we, we should be talking about this and we should be able to complain about something that's mostly good because we want it to all be really good, and we think it should all be really good. Yeah, I think, uh, I feel like I got pretty used to, and who, who knows how much this is just my use patterns and good luck, but it really feels like there was a stretch for the last few years, well, starting, maybe ending a couple of years ago. But it felt like you could pretty confidently do stuff like install an update, <laughs> um, an OS update, and be pretty confident that it would work okay. Um I I I don't know, but I mean, at the same time, I, I all too well remember um, moving from what moving from like an SE thirty uh, running s- probably system seven mm-hmm. at that time to like well, actually, at that time I moved to a Quadra, so it was it was really fast, but it always felt like you know that in my head, no computer has ever felt faster than my SE thirty because of what I was doing with it. I mean, what I was doing with it, it, it could handle just fine. I mean, you know, part of that was if I was doing something in Illustrator or freehand, it wasn't rendering it in real time. Right. You know, you're seeing the 
you know, the outline of it, and then you would render it and go duka, 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 down the screen. But, you know, it does feel like, you know, I, I remember feeling this really acutely with Word, where, you know, up through 1991, Word was a really, really good application. Word 5 was a really good application. And Word 6 came out, and I think somewhat notoriously, it was so bloated. Yeah. It, it installed something like over like a couple dozen ex- like system extensions, and it was just dog slow for, for just doing typing stuff, just for scrolling. I mean, I don't know if you guys remember this, but like, I mean, I kept using uh, Word 5.1 maybe. I kept using Word 5 until it just wouldn't run anymore because mm-hmm. it worked fine for what I needed. But, you know, it's not new to have bugs. It's not new to have performance stuff. But I remember when the, when the Microsoft Word thing happened, I remember thinking, <clears throat> boy, you really are, you see these two forces pushing against each other. On the one hand, you have these um, computers getting more powerful, definitely getting more RAM. At some point, RAM finally dropped in price a little bit, and you could afford to put more RAM in. Uh, there'd be the occasional uh, Korean factory fire, and suddenly RAM would go through the roof. <laughs> yeah. But but you know you could get more and more RAM. So what happens? You respond by by shoveling all these features into something like Word, which now means you're going to need more RAM and a more powerful computer. I remember thinking like this cycle is never going to end. These are always going to push each other so so much harder. So, I mean, it's things like that that have me sitting here looking at this thing in my pocket that holds <laughs> the size of a th- of my pinky nail that holds 32 gigs of information. And like that just that really feels like the future to me. No, it really does. And all of this I think shows this trend of things getting easier and at the same time us expecting more out of it. We as and we should. We should expect more. You know, I was thinking about this uh, because my wife went on a trip over the weekend to uh, to a, a wedding in San Diego. I had the kids. And, you know, like, you, you know, there you think about travel and you think about planes and you think about mechanical things. And, you know, I fly frequently, but not very frequently, uh, but enough so that, you know, compared to a few years ago uh, when I, I hardly flew at all or hardly traveled at all, you know, I would be very worried about flying and very nervous flying and all of that anxiety that we've talked about uh, here. And I talked about it with John Syracuse on the, an episode of Hypercritical at one point. And, you know, now it's like you get to see it enough. You become familiar with it. An airport doesn't seem like a mysterious place it going through security doesn't seem mysterious in fact it's it's fairly routine getting it's 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 mundane it's mundane getting on an airplane is mundane the sounds that different airplanes make are not surprising or strange or worrying um i actually you know i've got it down so that i know okay i'm gonna be on this flight well i remember that flight that's the md80 which means i should bring the smaller suitcase if i'm going to be sitting on the left hand side because those have the smaller uh things on the on the top and you've got to put them in sideways or you've got to put it on the thing across. like little details like that are just the same thing of like oh i shouldn't get on this road at this time of day it'll be too much traffic because school lets out like you just know these little details and the stress and anxiety goes away as you do something more and more frequently but i was thinking about these physical things that we rely on like cars or like planes and it's amazing to me how rarely these things that we've built actually malfunction even cars even though we all have what seem like constant car issues they're they're rare how often do you try to start your car if you have a relatively new car Oh, it's it's a, it's a completely different world than you turn the key, 25 years ago. You turn yeah. the key and it just starts and it works and it drives and drives and drives and drives and drives and drives and all it needs occasionally is gas. 
And it's just, it's amazing to me because when I was in high school in auto shop, all everyone's cars had problems all the time. And I had to know how to fix a car because my car was always having a problem, you know. And it's even older cars now. They seem to just work. And planes are the same way. And they go through way more. And, yeah, they're constantly being fixed and maintained, hopefully correctly. And there's people who are working hard to keep them up in the air. But all of these things that, you know, and then when you look at a computer and you look at a hard drive failure, you know, that happens a lot. There's a lot of things that go wrong with computers. And yeah, they're very technologically advanced things. And we sort of take for granted how, you know, like my wife, who's, who's, we got rid of her toilet phone and replaced it with uh with a six. She was saying to me last night, she's like, you know, battery life is not much better than the five. She's like, it's really the same. I still have to, can't get quite through a whole day. My wife, who is not a super geek, uber tech app using location services off kind of per, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. She can't get through a day on the iPhone wow. six, and it's like, why? You know, and I understand batteries are hard technology, you know, but like that sucks. Like the battery should get a regular user through the end of the day. It, little things like that that we could complain about constantly, but those are the kinds of things that if you're making a device that's meant to be used a lot and meant to go in your pocket or purse, make the battery last all day. Well, we're trying. Okay. But tr- I want that to just work, you know, <laughs> like right. little things like that, that we just feel like that we should expect. Um, my MacBook 11 inch, that battery lasts a long, long, long time. And sure. I know the batteries, the entire inside of the case and the shell, the thing and fine, but let's, let's make this work better. You know, this is, this is where we should be focusing. And these are the little things. Typing shouldn't be slow. We shouldn't see slow scrolling in something we're going to use all day long. So I don't know. Yeah. I mean, the, the, I mean, I guess it's just, it's, I'm always interested in what you have to trade off to get anything. And in the case of that phone, I mean, to get something that thin, you know, there's a lot of, there's a lot of, um, curb appeal to having a, a phone that thin. Yeah, so I when guess. you pick it up, I finally played with one. Uh, my kid and I went to the Apple store the other day and, um, I don't have anything to add that any, everybody else hasn't added, which is it's really pretty, mostly. Uh, it's really thin. It's really big. But, you know, the thing is, that's, you can't please everybody. And, and if they had made, in somebody's mind at Apple, and probably many people's mind at Apple, uh, for, for Apple, it seems really important to have a thin phone and to be able to show a trend line where, the, where it's actually getting thinner. You know, e- even if the processor updates are not nearly as dramatic as they used to be, they still want to be able to show that line going up. You know, that's, that, that's a point of pride. That's really, there's two big points of pride because, you know, we, again, we still remember the time when Apple had the reputation for being overpriced and underpowered. And I, you know, I think that's not really so true anymore. I mean, you can get really cheap commodity stuff now, but, you know, it really is, it's a, it's a beautiful device. Uh, You know, I personally, I guess I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't mind it being a little bit smaller and less tall and thicker to have that battery life, but you know, that's important to them. Maybe, who knows? Maybe, maybe future processor things are going to make that even better. I just, it's trade-offs to all that stuff. But it's, um, yeah, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I, 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 I just, uh, eh, I don't know. I don't know. When you, when you uh, I got into such a habit over the years of just grabbing my phone. And I mean, I used to be one of those guys with the, with the crazy workflows for doing tech stuff on the phone. I used to type long things on the phone. Yeah. 
and uh, on a what probably a 3GS, you know, at one time. And it was it felt it felt faster than snot. Like it, it just it worked great and stuff synced and it was fine. And now you couldn't do as much sexy stuff as you can today, but I mean not to be karma stock, but I don't do nearly as much of that sexy stuff today because it is just easier for me to type on a Mac at this yeah. point. Yeah. It's, it is not, and I just don't have the same confidence. You know, I used to have, when's the big event? When's the big Yosemite thing? That's this week, right? That is Thursday of this week and we will be doing a live special. Uh, you should tell people about it. that. We're going to be doing a live know. special, right? Uh, we made, we, it's, it's, well, this, yeah, okay. Here's the thing. We're, we're, here's the thing. We're, um, we're working really hard on this video stuff again. And uh, so the people who have been helping us with this are our Patreon supporters. So we're going to do the video probably just for the Patreon supporters. Uh, that, But uh, we're, we're going to be doing a special afterwards that will be released for everybody, of course. So tune in. Follow me on Twitter, Dan Benjamin, and tune in at 5x5.tv. Uh, slash live, and if you support us with Patreon, thank you, and you will be getting an email about how to watch the live video part of it. Are there any blackouts on that, Dan? No blackouts uh, here in Texas. Uh, but, uh, I, and I, I've got a second, um, oh, that's uh, patreon.com slash 5 by 5 But I want to tell us about our second sponsor, and then I want to talk to you about positive and negative reinforcement and my children. Are you firing me? Uh, n- no. Not per se. No, I'm non-hiring you. <laughs> it's positive. It's a positive I'm, I'm, reinforcement. I'm, oh, I feel like I'm opening uh, the gift of your opportunity scape. Dan, do you ever want to tell me about this? Like, ah, I guess I want to tell you about this called little thing I like to call. Let me tell you about Linda. L-Y-N-D-A, lynda.com. It's an easy and affordable way to help individuals learn. That's it. That's the whole spot. <laughs> <laughs> no, Linda's really great. and uh, And basically, this giant massive repository of learning exists on the internet and everybody can try this. What am I talking about? I'm talking about being able to stream thousands of courses created by experts on business, software, web development, graphic design, you name it. Linda is going to have a great course about it. Courses are broken up into small chunks. So you don't have to sit there for four hours to try and learn one thing. They've got beginner, intermediate, and advanced levels for everything. So when you want to figure out how do I use this application or how do I give a better presentation or what means Ruby on Rails, they're going to (laughs) have a course for you. How is is Ruby formed? How how is Ruby formed? I love that video. Me too. This is probably the best thing on the internet. Never gets boring. But whether you're beginner or advanced, they've got a course for you. They get, you know, when I say like they get industry experts, they've got uh, David Allen on there to talk about uh, GTD, like the legit stuff. They're really, really, really high quality. These are what we used to call these screencasts. But this is a way that you sit down and you actually learn something by watching experts do it. They teach you what's important. You don't have to sit down and and read, oh, man, that book wasn't the right book. No, you're going to get access to every single one of these videos. You jump in and jump out. And uh, they've got apps for you to use for for your iOS device. I mean, all of this stuff is there. They've got pretty much every topic. And one low monthly price of 25 bucks gives you unlimited access to over 100,000 video tutorials. Again, iPhone, iPad, Android, you can watch them offline on the, on the plane. So here's what you do. You go to, uh, to Linda, L-Y-N-D-A, lynda.com slash back to work. 
And, uh, and I said, listen, <laughs> you guys have to do something special for, for the said, listen, Linda. Listeners. I said, Linda, Linda, Linda's Talk a person, Bubby. <laughs> I said, uh, you got to do something special because back to work listeners, they're really engaged, but they're also incredibly miserly. <laughs> and, uh, and so, so Linda said, Dan, I will, I will give all of your listeners free access. They can do anything, everything, watch every single video free for seven days. There's really no catch to this folks. So go to Linda, L-Y-N-D-A, lynda.com slash back to work, support uh, the show and learn something in the process. Thank you very much to, uh, to Linda for supporting Merlin Mann, back to work and five by five. Merlin Mann. Uh, you know what? I'm not going to talk about my MLB experience. I'm going to keep it to myself. MLB I, I, I is, say, is Major League Baseball. Major, Major League Baseball. I just want to say for the record, I tried to be a sports fan. I'm a cord cutter, Dan. I cut cords. Is what I do. Wait a minute. You, I've never heard you talk about sports in anything but sort of a sports ball kind of way. That's a little bit dismissive, but yeah. So now no, you're absolutely. into sports No, I'm usually now. sarcastic. No, it doesn't matter if I'm into sports. I have a child, and I don't want her to be weird like me. So she should be able to see baseball <laughs> <It> may- <laughs> games. No, this is part of being a parent. Is like is like uh, is like capitulating to like the appearance of anything involving teenage mutant ninja turtles in the house. You know, I, I do that because you know I love, and so I'm you know my wife loves sports sports ball of all kinds. Mm-hmm. She's an athlete, and uh, and I don't want my daughter to be a hideous freak like me. And so I tried. I tried. I went to the page. Have you have you have you ever gone to MLB.tv? Yes. Have you been to that page? Yes. Somewhere you're still reading that page. You're still reading these 7,800-word EULA that's hidden in a three-line text area at the bottom of the page. Yeah. And so I went to my, you know what, cut this out. All I'm saying is I'm frustrated because I was ready. I was ready. I'm, I'm on board. I figure if I do this through the, I, I, I'm not blaming Apple for this. I understand that this is a thistle <laughs> to get through. But I went, I went to my Apple TV and I bought it and it kept spinning. I said, okay, I'll try to buy it again. So I, at this point, I thought I either bought it three times or not at all. Oh, wait, so I no, wait, wait, try wait. It again. What you're saying is you went to the MLB so that you could watch postseason games on your Apple TV. I'm a dummy. No, I that's not that you're, ent- you're starting to enter my world. This is making me, I feel like I've had a positive effect here over these yeah. years without ever mentioning football or baseball to you. You're coming into the, into my kimono somehow. Sure. <laughs> Uh, so I went, so I thought, you know what, let's do this the easiest way that daddy can think of, which is you go to the busted ass mother grabbing Apple TV, you unhide the lozenge for MLB because my lozenge, I hide all the lozenges Yes, because I don't need Fox now and I don't need like ABC now and I don't need to now those things. And it just gets in the way. It takes longer to get to the podcast and lozenge. <laughs> So I went in, I put in my code, I flip it back on. I go to the baseball man. I, 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 uh, I mash on the baseball man. And so finally, I was able to theoretically buy it. It said, okay, you just bought this thing. And I thought, okay, disco. Now we're going to have baseball in the house. Hot and cold running baseball because it's postseason. And so, uh, so we bought it. And I looked and, uh, you know, you could go in and look at old videos of old games and see the standings and everything. And, and yes, yes, I was prepared for there to be some, be some kind of inexplicable reason why games don't show up sometimes. Yeah. But we went in and I thought, okay, well, there's a game on tonight. There's been, as of today, there's been four postseason games available since I paid $25 to subscribe to this. And um, all four of them have been blacked out. Every single one of them. Oh, because apparently, were, yeah. I guess you need to go sign up and like show that you've got cable in order to have major... I, 
And so each time the game comes up and we click on it and it has this like very long paragraph explaining things involving Fox TV, whether it's a Saturday after 1 p.m. And there's this whole like long thing of text. And basically then it says, and here are some things you can click on to listen to it. So, so far, this bad on me, right? Because I don't understand how, uh, how sports ball works. But now I have subscribed. My $25 so far have bought me four blacked out games, including two Giants games that we couldn't get. So yeah. we can go and listen on the radio. But like, yeah. what, I mean, like, okay, well, okay. I realize, I fully accept here that I'm a dummy who didn't get something. Is there any way to get these games and just get them without having regular TV? Can you? You can't do that. Can okay. You? Well, the, the, well when you bought the service, that's what you were buying. Kind of. I feel like this is like the Huluization of baseball. It depends on where you are. So, for, okay. So, but MLB blackout rules are kind of. They're not, they make no real, I guess they make sense. They also make no sense for the fans. There, well, there's many vectors. That's yes, the thing. There there's, many, there's, many there's location vectors. There's time of day vectors. There's Fox exclusivity. I mean, I, there's, yes. I understand that there's a lot of stuff to it, right? It's a lot more yeah. than just like, just am I in San Francisco? R- right. So like, uh, if, if you have like a local station, they're the ones that will always get the rights to show the game, which typically means like it's on regular TV. But if you're a cord cutter who doesn't have regular TV, you just have the Apple TV, for example, then you think, well, I want to I want to watch the game that's happening here, right? Because I like the team that is in the town that I live in, so I should be able to just watch it. But technically, that's like a national broadcast. And because it's being broadcast locally, you can't watch it in a national way. You can only watch it in a, a local way. So it will have a national uh, blackout uh, because it is being broadcast locally and you're in that local area and the Apple TV knows that because you're going through your cable provider so that will be blacked out for you on Apple TV. But if I wanted to watch that game that's blacked out for you nationally, I could watch it because I'm in Texas. This is so, so crazy, but this is like, this isn't the way it works. But I mean, if I said I was in, if I had a VPN or a tunnel and, yep. and made it look like I was in Alaska, yes. I might be able to watch these. You would, yes. Okay. So if you ever want to tunnel through my VPN, like, let's talk. Can you do that with an with a um yes. with a with an airport? Yes, I think so. Okay, we'll talk next issue. <laughs> um, and then yes, you mentioned is- Fox. Fox has rights for like the afternoon Saturday games. ESPN has the Sunday night games. Let me um, describe a process for you. I'm going to call Daddy's Daddy's Nadir. Okay. Here's Daddy's Nadir. Daddy's Nadir was this weekend. <laughs> and I, I bought my family, I bought my family a package of postseason baseball that I could give a flying fig about. But I bought it. Right now I'm in. They got me. Right. They pull me back in. So here's what I do. I go and it says, oh, I'm so sorry. There are sometimes there were things that changed on the clock. And also there is Fox. And so anyway, would you like to listen to it on the radio? Okay, fine. Now, now, I'm not going to get super mad. It's only 25 bucks, but it's also like this was going to be our Saturday night thing. We hadn't picked a movie, right? We ended up watching Chronicles of Narnia. It's pretty good. But, uh, but, but this was going to be our thing. So now I'm getting suggestions from people. And here's what I did. I'm going to be honest about what I did. I'm laying I'm like an animal. I'm laying on the floor of our living room with my laptop. I, have, I went out and I found a place where you can find Flash-based streams, like rogue streams of this to watch. Which are kind of like a QuickTime video in like 1992. You get this little janky flash thing. And then I got this app called Air Parrot that will let my ancient MacBook Air (laughs) send it to the Apple TV. And so the experience that I have for my family is like 10 frame per second postage stamp size you know, you can watch Panda. Back. This is a real great way to, to intro yeah, your you got kid, the too. Yeah. You got Panda, 
and you could sit and enjoy that in your home. Well, uh, you know, uh, the size of uh, like a box of crackers. Thanks, MLB. Yeah. And I took that off. I was like, you know what? I can't do this. I can't do this. I didn't. I, I did not see my buddies die face down in order to live to lay on the floor and send Major League Baseball the size of a postage stamp to this TV. I'm not going to do it. I'm no. not going to live that way. No. Cut all that out. Dan, have you ever thought... Have you ever thought at all about positive and or negative reinforcement? I have considered these issues. Thank you. We can button this up. Yeah, let's because I think that could be a whole show. On, ball. On that. Yeah. No, we we got time. We've only been at it for excluding my uh, urine break. You edited out. It's only been an hour and eighteen minutes. All right. I mean, if it's your show, we'll talk. Is this going to be blacked out? You're blacking this out. No, we'll keep. I mean, I'm doing them. You know, there'll be a blackout for the for the live event, but. It would be kind of cool if you couldn't listen to this podcast in San Francisco today. <laughs> yeah. I, I know. I, 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 I'm, I'm happy to keep talking. I'm sorry. See, I derailed you with my MLB talk. But see, Dan, it's frustrating. No, I'm, I'm passionate. I'm very passionate about uh, the MLB and NFL. And I could talk about that. No one wants to talk. No one wants to hear those issues on the shows I do because I'm like the. I'm supposed to talk about Apple stuff and computers and mobile industry of Simcoe. So I that I don't ever get to talk about sports. I love sports. I talk about sports all the time. Yeah. No one wants to hear it. We'll do a whole show about sports. I'll Can't tell my 79, my 79 Dodgers story again. I think it's, gonna, it's you're thinking of 70, uh, 76ers. I saw Davey Lopes' junk. It was like three feet from me. What? Yep. Ron Say. Got to see him in his panties. This and uh, I saw Steve Garvey do sit-ups and he signed my ball. Boom. He signed what? Best night ever. He signed my, signed my ball. <clears throat> I was 12. Uh, I'm really sorry. Do you want to, do you want to talk about, uh, uh, reinforcement? Yeah, sure. We can talk about, I mean, yes, for sure. See, now I feel like I've taken the, the, all the air out of the room. No. It was my, with my frustration with MLB. My daughter says I should demand my money back. She says you should, you should demand that baseball give you your money back. Yeah. Baseball's going to do that. Baseball yeah, cares so a lot no, about you. No, I'm the one with balls on my face. <laughs> <clears throat> Positive versus negative reinforcement. <laughs> yeah, what do, you, what do you, so, you know, what, you, you mentioned something in passing. I think, mm -hmm. that, I think the show's over now. Yeah, uh, yeah, you is. mentioned something in passing a little bit ago. It sounds like, and I, I hope I got this wrong, but it sounds like you might have had to take care of the kids by yourself for more than a day. No, I did. My wife went to uh, a wedding in San Diego. And so from- home with the Padres. Yeah, I had to pick up uh, both my little girl and son at different times from school starting Friday and they were here in the office destroying it for a while. So, so I had my kids, uh, both of them on my own since, you know, one o'clock on Friday all the way through late Sunday night. Oh my God. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my God. And if you've done, if you've had that with like one kid, it's tough. You have it with, with two you're outnumbered oh yeah but it was actually really i mean it was really good i loved spending time with them it was great there really weren't any issues to speak of that i mean there you know lots of they both got hurt a lot which seemed like more than usual and when i say both i mean mainly the three-year-old got hurt more i think than the six-year-old you know, there was a lot of falling. Her hair was accidentally part of it pulled out. 
she hurt her chin. Oh, oh no. Yeah, I mean, lots of crazy things happen, but I find out that these are normal. These just happen so much that they're not even worth, me- like, you're not going to mention, oh, I ran out of paper, you know, I had to go load the printer. Like, that's not a, you don't mention that. It just happens. These things apparently just are happening all the time. None of them were serious. It required medical attention, but. Yeah. Was um, it stuff you could cover up and not tell your wife about? Well, they told her about it. Oh, see. Who can you trust? Ma- you know, mommy, I, you know. Um, my I, my hair got pulled out on Saturday, you know, that kind of thing. But it was a really what I learned a lot about it as, a, you know, having not spent one-on-one time with them as the sole caregiver for days and days and days at a time. I just learned a whole lot about and I have been thinking a whole lot about positive versus negative reinforcement and and it, it just i think it's a whole show i think we get to save it i think we get to save it but we'll do oh this. yeah we should because i, I think what they call a teaser yeah and i think it's a, such an interesting idea because it's something i i think about a lot these days as i more and more feel like a failure as a parent um or like you know like struggling with certain things but i think it's also really true at work i mean not to make it topical but right. I, I think it's really i think it's really complicated to understand how to motivate people uh to do the right thing and how not to like burn bridges by doing what seems like, you know, the right thing. It's hard. It's really hard because at every at every turn, you're thinking that you've just screwed something really, really important up. Because I have memories of being a kid of things that happened that like I won't say they haunt me now, but I still like remember them with intense feelings about them. And mm-hmm. you know, like to my like, parents like, might have been a small might have been like a little small trivial thing yeah but yeah. you know and my parents probably forgot it the next day but like oh you know it affected me for 15 years after that you know what i mean like that kind mm-hmm. of thing that am i creating that kind of memory ne- potentially negative memory for my own children the answer is yes i don't know what those things will be but who knows in five years like what kind of damage will grow out of this terrible seed that I planted from that one time when I said that one thing to them. You know what I mean? Like it's... Dan, I, I have to tell you, buddy, I obsess over it. It's terrible. In, in, a, in a kind of, you know, unhealthy, unwholesome way. And and just as a teaser, I mean, here's a, here's a, an example. An example is, uh, let's, let's take the most obvious one, which is, and we went through this last night, which is like, you got to brush your teeth. You got to brush your teeth in the morning. You got to brush your teeth at night. And we'd like to see some toothbrushing during the day. Even if it's just some hand wavy toothbrushing, but the thing is, you know, she, you had, she had ice cream for dessert last night. You're, you're, you gotta brush your teeth before yeah. bed, yeah, right. And and she was really tired. She was already in bed, and like bad on us, we'd forgotten that we hadn't brushed teeth yet. And she was already kind of going into like sleepy mode. Ugh. And she was, she was really not wanting to do it and she was crying and like and i understand that i totally understand that but like on the other hand i have to fight the side of me that goes look dude the thing that you're maybe worst at is consistency and so even when it's not fun even when it sucks like you still you've got to be consistent you've got to be consistent about making the kid do that you've got to be consistent consistent about being seen brushing your teeth because that's really important but like you got to do that and so now but the thing is how many times do you tell your kid to brush their teeth you tell them like 20 times a day yeah and they still don't get it but like, how do you know when that, if that 19th time is going to be the thing they're going to be thinking about in their thirties and they're thinking you're a chode, <laughs> like that time you made them, you made them scared and hurt, yeah. you know? No, no, totally. Yeah. And you don't know what they are because generally they're not going to tell you 
that they're obsessing or thinking about this thing. They, they don't know it. No. I mean, I, I don't find out that, like, she's been scared of something for weeks sometimes. Yeah. And, you know, she she thinks that uh, Mutant X is under her bed. Oh, thanks. Dad of the year. Right. Or, or, or whatever. That time she drew a picture of me with my teeth like this. Because one time I got mad at her and I talked <laughs> oh, like this. And now that's the picture she draws of me looking oh, incredibly I know. evil. I, I know. And they don't and that's ever, what she'll remember now. Yeah. They don't ever forget it. And, like, they repeat the whole thing back about oh it's just it's the worst and like there is this one scene where in in uh, in empire where the wampa attacks luke when he's on the tauntaun mm-hmm. and you don't really see anything and it's not really that scary but cash Pops had it up it's scary though well, it, it, it happens fast he had it in his head that this was a terrifying scene so we always used to have to fast forward through it but then this weekend while we were driving to the zoo um he and MJ were in the back and MJ completely unfazed by the Wampa attacking Luke on the Tauntaun. Um, there's lots of previews for, for shows now that it's Halloween that, that scare her a lot, Mm -hmm. but, um, this did not scare her. And I, I'm like, Hey, cash man, like she's not scared of this. It's probably okay if you want to try watching it. So he puts his hands up over his ears and he's kind of squinting at it and he watches, he's like, Oh, I wasn't bad at all. I'm like, dude, I've been telling you it's not bad for a month now. And he's like, oh, good. I don't have to worry about this movie now. But, like, who knows what else bothers him that he's seen or heard that he doesn't. You know what I mean? Like, oh, every, He's too scared to even enumerate. I know. Every step we take is a failure of some kind or another, I think. But That's I, a perfect I, place to end. I think, yeah, let's I think end we're, we're, we're definitely harming our children. I think maybe next time we should talk about <laughs> some new and innovative ways to harm our children. Let's do it. I'd like to thank our sponsors at squarespace.com and lynda.com, lynda.com, squarespace, nda.com. Uh, <laughs> we ruined some kids. Yeah. You know, MLB, get it together. Seriously. That's all I'm going to say about that. All right. That was super weird. You want to button this up? Let's do it. Okay, I love you. Love you too, Merlin, man.